Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. Man, I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful that these are truths that I can stand on, um, that nothing in here is not for me. That when I read the passages that are, have been given to us from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, carrying people along, carrying his people along to, to write these down and preserve these, that, that when we look at them, we can hold them and see them as promises to us. So when Jesus speaks in John chapter 14, and he says this, very truly I tell you, he says this, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Notice that that passage doesn't say this. Very truly I tell you, this first generation of believers, those who I specifically called, handpicked, these 12 apostles, these disciples, the, the, the crowd that followed me from the very beginning of my ministry, those people will do greater things than these. No. He says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater because I am going to the Father. Do you know who's considered in that category? That group of whoever believes? Whoever believes. All of us in this place. So I'm fully convinced that that the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are the vehicles that God uses to carry these greater things. We've been spending some time in 1 Corinthians 12 and saying, listen, this is not a chapter that we're going to jump over. We're not going to go straight to the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, We're going to go ahead and and look at the the difficult to understand and read chapters, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. And I'm so thankful that 1 Corinthians 13, that love chapter, is the meat to that sandwich. Uh, But we are going to look at at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I made another joke. Nobody laughed. Darn it. I'm going to scratch that out. All right. But 1 Corinthians 12 talks about these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that there's other areas where they speak on gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's Ephesians chapter 4, the gifts to the church. They say apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, you're welcome, teachers. Um, That was another joke. Guys, come on. Don't leave me hanging here. Come on. But we know that there, there's gifts. There's gifts in Ephesians four. There's there's gifts in in First Peter chapter four, and uh, we, we see this in numerous places. Uh, Romans chapter twelve. But in First Corinthians twelve, we call these the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the gifts that put the Holy Spirit on display. That's what the word manifestation means, to display, to, to manifest. So, so we've seen these, and I just want to really quickly give you, um, again, the, these nine gifts that we have been spending time looking through. So the first one, this is the order that they come, verses 7 through 11 in 1 Corinthians 12. A word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, tongues and interpretation. Last week, I said we can take this list of nine manifestation gifts and break them up into three categories. Just as a way to remember, there are the speech gifts, and these are the ones that display the voice or the heart of God, uh, and and we experienced that this morning. Uh, A tongue and interpretation, a word of prophecy. Uh, This is what is going to always display or manifest itself by displaying the voice or the heart of our Father. Uh, We also see that there are power gifts where we get to see the power or the love of God um, through faith, miracles, and healing. When we were teaching through that, we said that that, uh, all healings are miracles 
And all healing and miracles require faith. That faith is, is the engine that keeps that going. And we ask the question, whose faith? And when we looked at scripture and asked that question, whose faith is required for healing and miracles? And, and we could never say it's always this person's or always that person's because we've seen someone who had no faith get healed or someone who had a little bit of faith get healed or someone who was dead and there is no way you can have faith when you're dead because you're dead. Someone else's faith healed them. So we see all of these, these situations where it's just faith. And that those moments where God gives you a dream or an ambition or something bold to pray for, you don't have to apologize because that is the gift of faith. So there's no apology. When I'm casting vision and I'm going to my, my, my board or I'm going to the staff or I'm coming to the church and I'm saying, this is what God's doing, I don't got to apologize because it is the gift of faith that is propelling us forward. If God wants to see people delivered and saved and restored, if he wants to see this city saved, we should never apologize for desiring and dreaming big to see that happen. Point in case, that's it. So we said those are the speech gifts, or, or I'm sorry, the power gifts, faith, miracles, and healing. And then we, are, we jumped into last week, the revelation gifts. The revelation gifts are, uh, so revelation, whenever I say that, people's ears usually perk up and they're like, ooh, revelation, I love that book. It's scary and creepy. Uh, please don't do that. Don't be that weird person. Uh, the re revelation in this sense literally means this, uh, to, to unveil what has been veiled, to, to open up and set uh, atop what was once hidden. So, so revelation gifts, their, their primary function is to reveal what has been hidden. And we've said that there are three gifts that do that. They are the uh, discerning of spirits, a word of wisdom, and a word of knowledge, the gift of discernment. And we've said this when it re in regards to the gift of discernment. We've said that the gift of discernment is the Holy Spirit's supernatural power and strength for the believer to judge the intentions of a situation in order to protect the church and promote the love of Jesus. I think I actually have that definition right there. It says, the gift of discernment is a Holy Spirit's supernatural strength for the believer to judge the intentions of a situation. Now, there are moments where we'll be walking through something and, and something, it just, it, just it, it feels off. Now, we know our feelings are, are subject to the word of God. This leads our feelings, always, amen? The word of God leads our feelings. However, there are moments, moments where when we are walking, the Holy Spirit will, will either give us a check and a pause and be like, hey, this is probably not for me or this is not for, for us. Um, uh, or or this, is, this is, man, demonic in, in, in nature and we should probably steer clear of that. Um, that is the gift of discernment. Now, I would say this. Everybody loves to learn about that aspect of the gift of discernment, but the gift of discernment manifests itself in multiple ways, or two ways, really. Uh, most often than not, the gift of discernment is going to be used to say, ooh, the Holy Spirit is doing something good, right? It's going to be a positive manifestation. Like, like anybody, when we were having worship, you're just like, ooh, this is good. Anybody feel that way? Maybe you don't say like I do, uh, but, but there, there's moments where we'll be worshiping and God's doing some powerful things and I'm like, oh God, this is right. This is exactly where you want us. That is, that is just, you don't even know what's happening, but this is a gift and uh, it, it is affirming what the Holy Spirit is doing. So uh, that is an aspect of the gift of discernment. 
There are also moments where we have to call things out in, uh, in situations and in people, and we've seen this in scripture. We saw this uh, in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter five, where, where Peter was given the gift of discernment to say, hey, there is something shady happening here. Um, uh, we saw that there was a, another situation with Paul and Luke, and they were ministering uh, in the region of uh, Philippi, and there was a girl who was possessed by a, a demon, and she was able to, to tell the future, and she was making her captor uh, rich and uh, uh, Paul is navigating through this, this region and she's following them saying these two are, are men of God they're prophets they, they're here to tell you the, the way to salvation although what she was saying is true it was not timely and that's how you know it's going to be demonic it's not always going to be a lie sometimes it's going to manifest it, uh, good but it's going to be empty inside and what did Paul do? He called that out, casted that demon. She couldn't tell the future anymore, and everybody lynched them and hated them. Uh, they were sent to jail, and uh, you're like, man, I never want to be used by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what was the result of that? What was the result of that? Everybody in the jail cell uh, was saved. Just a powerful, powerful movement of the Holy Spirit. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> so we, re- we jump in today into a word of knowledge, everybody say knowledge, and a word of wisdom, say wisdom. So again, buy one, get one free. We're looking at two gifts of the Holy Spirit, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. Most often than not, these two gifts, although they are separate, will manifest together. They, 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 will, they will come together, kind of like tongues and interpretation publicly should always be together. A word of knowledge should always be followed by a word of wisdom. Now, now what does that mean? What, what, what does that explicitly mean? Well, I would say this. A word or message of knowledge is the supernatural revelation of facts, past, present, or future, that were not learned through the efforts of the natural mind. So there are moments, and we're going to look at some of these in Scripture, where there is no way someone should have known what was happening or the intentions of another or or a fact that that was hidden. and, uh, And the Holy Spirit prompted the individual and gave them the knowledge of the certain situation. That is usually, that that comes through a word of knowledge. Now, what is the word of wisdom? A word of wisdom is the supernatural application of that knowledge. So God doesn't just give you the news. He gives you the news and he tells you how to navigate them. So this is a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. There have been times where God speaks something and says, hey, um, this is going to happen. And then we wait for the word of wisdom and it says, so navigate this way. Knowledge and wisdom. Let, let me explain it uh, simply. I would say this, that, that knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing when and how to say it. So knowledge is knowing what to say, but, but, but wisdom is found in, in knowing how and when to say it. Uh, when I was in high school... I was not a good student. So if you are a high schooler today and you are not a good student, there is still hope for you. Uh, man, I was, I was horrible. I, I was the, the, the kind of student that um, would always show up late to class, that would never be prepared, that always be like, yo, can I, bo- can I borrow a pencil? <laughs> like, like that, that was, I'm sorry, that was me. Um, college, the Lord convicted me and I shaved up a little bit, uh, just a little bit though. 
But I remember there was a time, you guys remember in, in high school or maybe in college where maybe a professor or a teacher would, would give someone, give, give the class an assignment. Maybe it was punishment. They're like, all right, everybody write a paper. And then the next time you'd come to class, uh, they would forget to ask for that assignment or, or give that test that they said they were going to give. And you and the whole class, you have this secret code that, that nobody reminds the teacher. Even if you're prepared, even if you wrote that paper, you're just going to do a solid and, and not tell the teacher. I always had this friend of mine who was notorious, notorious for being like, uh, um, hey, teacher, uh, you forgot to give us that test. And everyone's like, oh, papers are going up there. No, everyone's bummed out. Um, there was one time I, we told a friend, we'll just call him Fred. I, we told him, like, dude, don't, don't say anything. Like, like, we know you got it done. But, but these guys didn't, and, and it's us versus the teacher. Like, we're going to stick it to the man, right? Like, we were, we were just rebellious little kids. But we're like, just don't, don't say anything. And he's like, oh, all right. So he sits in the back, and, and, and class is almost over. And my responsibility, I have the gift of gab. That's my spiritual gift. And I, I'm, I was always good at, at keeping the teachers uh, on, on off track. Like, I'd be like, how about them bears? And we'd just, like, be talking for a long time. Or, or like, I would ask a question, and they'd get into this, this long rant. And, and it was my job to keep the teacher going. The class is almost over. This is in, in, in high school. My friend Fred is, like, you can tell he's, he's struggling. He's just, like, shaking. He's got, he's got hives, and he's, like, drenched in sweat. He's like sitting back there and everyone's like, Shh, don't do it, Fred. Don't do it. Don't do it. And class is almost over and Fred just puts his head down. And he's like, puts his hand up and he has his paper and he said, we're like, no, Fred, no. Fred had all the knowledge in the world. Brilliant, smart, incredibly, incredibly talented, new school, backwards and forwards, smart guy. He was lacking wisdom, especially socially. <laughs> knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit Wisdom is knowing that it doesn't go in a fruit salad. <laughs> Knowledge, I'll give you one more. Knowledge is drafting the best quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Give it up for Patrick Mahomes. I'm a Bears fan, but I, I love me some Mahomes. Uh, wisdom is not hurting his knee against the Denver Broncos. Come on, Chiefs, you didn't eat that first down. You didn't just punt, just punt. Praying for him. Let's pray that the Lord does a gift of healing <laughs> for Patrick Mahomes because he's, he's a stud. Love that guy. Um, so, so these are the differences between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom. Now we know that every time uh, God gives any spiritual gift, it is always going to be for the common good. When God gives a gift of knowledge or any gift, it's never to gossip or hurt or frustrate or, or, or make someone feel as if they don't belong, but every single gift manifests itself for the common good. I mean, how many of you were blessed by the, by the, by the tongue and the interpretation that was given, the, the promises that were given? This is for the common good, for everybody to be lifted up together. We also know that gifts of the Holy Spirit um, is always for the advancement of God's purposes. And we know this, that they are available to every believer. I don't want anyone in this place to say, I am unqualified to be used in any spiritual gifts. No, it is for every believer who yields themselves to the Holy Spirit. And what does yield mean? It's just to, to say, God, it's, it's your way. I'm letting you go first and I will follow after you. So yielding to the Holy Spirit, which is a difficult thing to do, it requires, and here's the second thing, faith. I'm trusting and believing that you're gonna use me in this moment. I believe the enemy always desires to talk us out of being used by him, by God. And it takes faith to say, you know what? It's not about me. It's about the advancement of the purposes of God. 
and it's about me just choosing to be faithful. So the gift of knowledge and wisdom, it's intended to help the body of Christ. Now, if you were to study the, the Corinthian church, uh, one thing that I found interesting when I was studying for this, for this sermon is that the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge, the two gifts, the final gifts that we're talking about today, are mentioned nowhere else in Scripture. This is the only part, place that we see the spiritual gift of knowledge and the spiritual gift of, of a word of wisdom. Um, we, we see tongues everywhere. We see interpretation everywhere. We see prophecy in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Man, we see faith everywhere. We see miracles and healing everywhere. But when we look at the gift of knowledge and wisdom, it is not mentioned anywhere else. So I thought... Although it's not explicitly written out saying this is a word of knowledge and this is a word of wisdom, I was kind of nervous about preaching this because I was like, Lord, I'm not going to have much material uh, to preach on. Like, how am I going to fit the time when we're, when, we're, when we're learning about this if there's only one passage that talks about a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom? And here's the cool thing. Although it is only explicitly mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, the gift of knowledge or the gift of a word of knowledge and a gift of a, of a word of wisdom is everywhere in scripture. Like it's cool to see, like, and we're gonna look at some of these portions in a second, but when Paul, I asked, I was, I was trying to figure this out, why would Paul only write this to the church in Corinth? Why not to the, the Romans that he wrote or the Ephesians or the Philippians? Why just the Corinthians? Well, it's because the Corinthian church was a very philosophical group of people. They would sit in these places of, of discussion. Uh, you know how when, when we're like trying to uh, have a good time with friends, we're like, yo, you want to go to Village Inn or IHOP? And it's like two in the morning, like, yeah, let's go to Village Inn, let's go to IHOP. Uh, they, instead of saying, let's go to Village Inn and IHOP, they would say, hey, do you want to go to the debate hall and, and discuss philosophy? And the Corinthians are like, yeah, let's go. Everybody's up for some philosophy. They're just hammering philosophy left and right. Like these guys loved wisdom and knowledge. So they, that was another joke. You guys just missed your opportunity to laugh. So they would meet in these halls and have these huge, long-winded discussions and debate, and they all followed logic, and, and they knew discourse, and they knew jargon of the day. They, they were incredible discussers. They, they knew rhetoric. They, I mean, these were brilliant, brilliant people. Uh, ethics, logic, morality. I mean, they had incredible discussions. But something happened in them. And Paul calls them out when he says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. They were filled with knowledge and wisdom. And they thought their knowledge and wisdom superseded or came, came close to the wisdom and knowledge of God. And I'm here to say this morning that our combined efforts and knowledge and wisdom pale in comparison to the knowledge and wisdom of God. Amen. And if you are someone who solely remind, re relies on your knowledge and your wisdom and not on the knowledge and wisdom of God, you will always be lacking we need the knowledge and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. So these Corinthians, they were kind of arrogant. They were kind of pompous. Um, they, they, they felt like they didn't need the wisdom and knowledge of God. And this is what Paul writes to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says this. He's already laying the framework for them needing the wisdom and knowledge of God and how if you rely on your own knowledge and your own strength, you're always going to fall short. You're always going to feel like you miss out. He says this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 
Um, there are people who think we are idiots for meeting on a Sunday morning and discussing a, a, a text that, that was written thousands of years ago. They think we're, we're, we're foolish. Here's something that I love. I love that the Bible calls that out. They're going to say this is foolishness, but the gospel, the message of the cross, is foolishness to those who are perishing. God's desire is that no one should perish but to those that are currently in a position of perishing, they think this is foolishness. And can I, in absolute humility, if anyone feels this way now, can I, in absolute humility, say, I have been there. I thought this was foolishness. But look what it continues to say. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. He's quoting Isaiah 29. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. God is basically saying, I will, anybody who thinks they're wise, anybody who thinks they're intelligent, my wisdom, my intelligence, man, just slaps them upside the head. It like destroys them. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jew and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called from both Jews and Gentiles... But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. It's the wisdom and knowledge of God. It's great to be wise. It's great to be intelligent. It's great to watch, binge watch documentaries on Netflix and Hulu and read all the books that you can. It's all, do it. The Bible says to uh, honor the Lord with your, uh, or love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So it's great. God, God is not the kind of God that says like, listen, once, once you come after me, you go ahead, go ahead and set your brain aside and it's all about emotions and feelings. No, 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 no. We can, we can worship him with our mind. We can study and we can read and all truth is God's truth. You don't have to be the kind of people that say, oh, the moment I get saved, don't send your kids to college because they're gonna learn things that, that, they, that we wanna keep them hidden. We, we don't have to be like M. Night Shyamalan's movie, The Village, where we're like, oh, we're gonna camp out and pretend we're from a different era because we wanna stay away from technology and, 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 and science. No, listen, science glorifies Jesus. True science, truth glorifies Jesus. We don't have to run and be afraid. But our intelligence that has been revealed to us, the knowledge and the wisdom that we have attained as a human race still pales in comparison to the knowledge and wisdom of God. So today, we're going to talk about four kinds of knowledge and wisdom. Four kinds of knowledge and wisdom that we see evident, not just in scripture, but in life. And the first one is this, natural knowledge and wisdom. Everybody say natural natural knowledge and wisdom. This is um, the, the kind of knowledge and wisdom that is taught 
and is verifiable truth. Every fact, um, you know, your uncle, your uncle's uh, fact book in the bathroom, that is natural knowledge and wisdom. The, the things that, that you can read that are just facts, things that are just science, things that are uh, verifiable and true, um, this is just natural knowledge and wisdom. The second one is uh, counterfeit knowledge and wisdom. What do I mean by counterfeit knowledge and wisdom? Well, this is the natural mind's attempt to gain knowledge through supernatural means other than through the Holy Spirit. Uh, this, is the, this is anything that is apart, for, uh, apart from the scriptures of God, anything apart from the Holy Spirit, anything that is occult or, or psychic or telepathic or even illicit drugs, things that, that people say, you know what, it's okay. And we live in a society that although people say they're not um, Christian, the number of people who identify themselves as nuns, which is they don't ascribe to any one religion, is actually on the rise. And Christianity in America, or actually all Western culture, is on the descent, it's on the decrease. But those who, are, who would identify as nuns, they would say, well, I'm not any religion. They still, over 90% of them say they are still spiritual. So they'll go to psychics and they'll go to uh, Cleo to get their free tarot card reading today, right? Like, you guys remember that? Anybody, am I alone in that? Call for your free tarot card reading today. I, used, I never called her. It was, I was always scared even as a little kid. But um, yeah, the, the, they'll, they'll look at, at glass balls and, but, the, but they'll stay away from God. And I'm here to say, if you are a Christian, or even if you're not a Christian, and you're trying to find wisdom and insight and intellect or intelligence or, or knowledge or trying to reveal something that has been hidden and you're consulting the occult, if you're consulting tarot cards, if you're looking at palm readings, if you're looking to the stars to, to give you your, your, your horoscope, I'm here to tell you that is not from, for you and that is not from God. Amen. That is from hell. And it's intended to twist and warp your mind. And you may be saying, well, pastor, there was one time where I hung out with this lady. She was a medium, and she told me what my mom was telling me. Listen, either that lady was lying or she was being used by a demon. But either way, it is demonic in nature. But pastor, I, I felt good. Not everything that presents itself as good is from God. How do we know that? Look at the first sin. Remember what was said. The serpent presented a fruit that looked good to the eye. But if they would have set their eye aside and followed what the word of the Lord was and listened to their ear and to the heart, the voice of God, the Lord would have said, don't eat from that tree. It's not from you, for you. It may look good, but that what looks good on the outside, on the inside, it is disgusting. And what was the result? Sin and death entered the earth. So just because something looks good, because someone has high claims, if they are not speaking on behalf of God, and I've even seen people who say they can, they, they're, they're Christians, that they'll, they'll, they'll take the Bible, but listen, if they are not speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit, if they're, if they're consulting anything other than the Holy Spirit, it is not from God and it's not for you. Ouija boards, all of that stuff. And I'm not trying to just get on a soapbox and, and derail culture and society, but I am trying to protect people. You don't want that stuff in your life. You are opening up a door to the demonic. And although Jesus is stronger, you are opening up yourself to attacks that you don't need. So if you are someone and you have been messing with that stuff, 
And I'm praying deliverance today. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And he's telling you he is stronger than all that. Go to him. Amen? So this is counterfeit knowledge and counterfeit wisdom. Anything that is, that is not of the Lord, any supernatural knowledge that is, is, it comes from outside of the word of God. Um, so we know that that's natural knowledge and wisdom, that's good stuff, like anything that is true, the pursuit of science, the arts, like th- this is good, we don't have to fight from that, we don't have to, to run away and hide, that's good. Natural knowledge is good, counterfeit knowledge, not so good. Anything that is spiritual, that is not of the Lord, that's not for us. And then finally, uh, or not finally, but thirdly, the biblical knowledge and wisdom. Biblical knowledge and wisdom, this comes by getting to know God personally through Jesus Christ via prayer and reading the word of God. This is for us. God does want to increase our knowledge and he does want to increase our, our wisdom and he does want to increase um, our, our intellect, especially through the scriptures. God's desire is that you would navigate life and everything you do, you do to glorify him. Well, how do I glorify him? He tells us how to glorify him. He tells us what decisions to make. He tells us how to spend our finances and how to manage everything he's given us. He tells us how to lead, how to parent. He tells us how to be people, how to, how to resolve conflict, how to um, love others, how to serve people. There is a, a well, a bottomless well of knowledge, insight, and wisdom in this book. In fact, there is a whole book called Proverbs 31. There's one for each day. Get in it. It's for us. God's desire is that we would be people who develop a biblical knowledge and wisdom. These aren't just a bunch of rules and regulations to try to keep fun from you. These are some rules and regulations that are intended to bring you freedom. It doesn't keep us from fun. It gives us freedom. So... Where in scripture do, do we kind of see this biblical knowledge? Uh, we see in John 12, 12, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 2, 6, that tells us this, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. I've had some people say that, uh, well, the older I get, the wiser I become. And while I will say that, that is true. The more times you navigate this earth, the more opportunities you will have to, to uh, man, grab a hold of knowledge and wisdom and you experience things. Uh, biblically, That is not always the case. Just because you have been navigating this earth does not make you more wise than another person. What does? I'll say this. It's time spent with the Lord. Time spent with the Lord. There is a reason why we see King Josiah, eight years old as as a king in, 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 uh, in Judah, and he did and made wiser decisions than his 50, 60 year old father. Why? Because from a young age, Josiah set out to serve the Lord. So it's not just how long you've been around that's going to make you more wise than another person. What makes you wise? I'll say this. Your level of wisdom and understanding will always be directly correlated to the degree in which you consult and spend time with God. Your wisdom is, is in tandem with how much time you're going to spend with the Lord. It's from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. If you feel like you're running into wall, into wall, into hurdle, into hurdle, and you're making the same mistakes over and over and over again, I'm gonna say you need to stop making decisions and start spending time with the divine. Get in the presence of God. Consult his word. He's got great things for you. I mean, we can see example after example of people spending time with God. Moses he had a speech impediment. He couldn't speak. He was a horrible leader. And by the way, he killed a guy. 
And yet God called him and what allowed him to lead thousands of people into freedom? It says that he was a man who was humble and he spent time with God. Uh, We see David. David was a, a, a king who was a young boy. How did he know he had the ability to defeat a giant? Because he was spending time with God. We see Samuel. How did Samuel know to anoint David, the youngest son, when there was 12 other good-looking boys in that family who were strong, who were knowledgeable, who had the degrees, the PhDs, the, all, all the letters you can throw at the end of a title? How did he know that David was to be king? Because he had spent time with God. He had an anointing because he spent time with God. In fact, if we were to ask ourselves who, is the, who was and is the wisest person to have ever lived, the answer would be Solomon. Solomon wrote Proverbs. He wrote Songs of Solomon. Don't read those until you're married. Uh, he, he edited the book of Ecclesiastes. He even wrote some, some psalms that have been added to the psalms. He was the wisest person. Wrote over 3,000 Proverbs, 1,000 songs. The queen of Sheba, who we know in history, came to Solomon and said, Yo, Solomon, I got some issues. Can you help me resolve some of the things in, in the economy of my people? Like, he was the wisest guy who ever lived. And in fact, he didn't get his wisdom by observing the world. How did he get his wisdom? He said, when God went to him, when he was a young king, before he was actually anointed king, God went to him and said, hey, Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. And most people would be like, yo, give me that black credit card that lets me get anything I want when I swipe it. But what what did Solomon say? Lord, give me the wisdom I need to lead your people. Give me wisdom, Lord. James 3 tells us this, that if you lack, or James 1 uh, tells us this, if you lack wisdom, go to him and ask him. And he doesn't judge. He doesn't say, weren't you here yesterday? No, he's like, here, I'll, I'll give you some wisdom. Spend time with me. I'll, I'll give you a way to navigate life and how to interact with your boss and your coworkers and your classmates and in the workplace. Spend time with me. So Solomon, the Lord, saw that he asked for wisdom, gave it to him in abundance, and we already saw what he accomplished. We looked at his resume. But if you study the life of Solomon, what happened at the very end? He didn't end in the same way that he started. Why? Because towards the end of his kingship, Solomon relied more on his God-given knowledge and wisdom than spending time with God. And he took on relationships that he had no reason being in. And he, and he started conquering places and, and, and just accumulating wealth that wasn't his to accumulate. God is saying, grab a hold of me, and he's grabbing hold of everything else. And Solomon, as wise as he was, ended his kingship by dividing the kingdom. So just, uh, I'm here to tell you that, man, our knowledge, our intellect, our wisdom, it's only gonna be as strong as it is rooted in the person of Jesus. So we see that this is good. Biblical knowledge is absolutely good. Uh, Wisdom is less about what you know and more about who you know. The more time you spend with God, the more you will, uh, the more wise you will become. But there is a, the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge is this. What, what am I talking about when we say the gift of knowledge and wisdom? Well, this is not based in human ability. It is the sheer gift of God revealing facts and truths to the church for the glory of Jesus. 
One more time. So we've talked about natural wisdom. We've, we've talked about counterfeit wisdom and knowledge. We, we've talked about biblical wisdom and knowledge. And now we're looking at the spiritual gift of knowledge and wisdom. And I'm saying that this is not based in, in human ability, but is the sheer gift of God revealing fact and truth to the church for the glory of Jesus. Where do we see this in scripture? I first asked myself that question as I was studying this, and I came up with hundreds of examples. We see this in the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament. Do you remember the story of of David and Bathsheba? David was king, good king, man after God's own heart. But in the time when the king should have gone off to war, David stayed back and allowed someone else to fight his battles. He made a, that was mistake number one. He sat back and one day he was going to the top of his uh, palace and he's looking out and he sees in the distance that there is a, a woman out there and she's bathing on her rooftop and instead of you know, averting his eyes and going back down and going off to war and saying, what am I doing? He does something wrong and he says, hey, uh, servant of mine, why don't you go, go get her? I want to spend some time with this lady, Bathsheba. He has relationship with her and um, she's pregnant. And you think that would be the moment that David would go to the Lord and repent and say, man, it's time, it's time to stop. What, what, what am I doing? I'm not leading right. I'm not living right. I, I got to stop this. But no, he doubles down in his arrogance. And he says, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll do this awesome plan. I'm going to call for her husband who is fighting in war at this time, Uriah. He calls for Uriah to, to, to come, and he's like, Uriah, what's up, man? How, how's battle? Everything all right? You're doing a great job. Keep leading well. Uh, hey, man, um, why don't you go ahead and, and spend some time with your wife? And he's like, no, I can't. I can't. He's like, no, no, I'm here. I'll, I'll give you a, uh, some booze and everything. Have a good time. And Uriah is so a, a man of conviction. He's like, listen, I, I can't, King David. I can't spend time with my wife and partake in this knowing that my brothers are out fighting a battle where I should be. Thank you for bringing me home for a moment, but, but I'm gonna sit this one out and he sits outside the house and sleeps there. Oh, you think that's when his heart would be broken and he'd be like, oh, it's time for me to, to stop this ruse and come clean. No, instead he doubles down again. He's going all in into destruction. He calls up Abner, who's, who's leading the forces. He said, hey, tomorrow I'm going to send out Uriah. He's going to come back to the battle. Here's what I need you to do. When, when, the, when we're advancing our troops, when we meet the enemy, I want you to pull everybody back except for Uriah. Oh, my goodness, David. You committed adultery. You, you, you lied. You led poorly. And now you're murdering a man who had great integrity and conviction. What are you doing? Nobody knew this. I, I believe this was just happening on the inside. It was hidden. But then the prophet Nathan, who was a man of God, and the prophet served as a counselor to the king, Nathan went to David and said, David, I got I to tell you something. And, and he's like, what? He's like, well, there's, in our kingdom, there's a man who's a rich man. He's got thousands of sheep thousands of acres, everything you could ever ask for. And his next door neighbor is a, is a poor man who has not much land and only one sheep. He loves that sheep. They, they hang out all the time. They're playing video games. They're drinking Mountain Dew. Great relationship. They even drink from the same cup 
Like they're BFFs. I don't know why. I don't know if that's what happened. But David, being a shepherd boy, resonated with that. He probably thought to himself, oh, I miss old Sally. Oh, she, she was a good friend. Right? Like, so, so his heart is like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I, I was, I'm a king now, but once I was a shepherd boy, and I, and I resonate with this, with this story. And then Nathan tells him this. Well, that rich man had a visitor come from out of town, and it's custom to uh, serve a meal, to sacrifice and serve a meal. And instead of sacrificing one of his millions of sheep, this rich man goes to this poor man's house, steals his one sheep, sacrifices it, and serves it to this visitor, serves this meal to the visitor. And David was in a fit of rage. He's like, we need to, we need to get this guy. We need to murder him. This guy had everything, and he, he could have had anything, but instead he stole from the person who had nothing, his beloved lamb, we need to get this guy. And Nathan was given a word of knowledge and said to David, you are that man. Now, I always thought that everybody knew what David was doing. But the more you study this text, you see that this was happening in secret. That, that Nathan didn't know what David was doing, but he knew because he was given a word of knowledge. And what was the result of this word of knowledge? He was given a word of wisdom. He didn't just reveal truth. Listen, when God gives a word of knowledge, it's not to gossip. He's not just going to tell you, hey, so-and-so is doing this. You should confront them. Or you should tell somebody else or put them on blast on Facebook. That'd be a good idea. When he gives a word of knowledge, it's never for gossip. It's always to preserve the individual. So he said, Nathan, David is doing this. When David was confronted, he tore his robes, ran to the temple, repented of this, cried out to God. And that was the word of wisdom. Nathan said, you need to get right with the Lord. A word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. It's for the preservation of people. It's for the glory of Jesus. If the Lord did not give Nathan that word of knowledge, what would have happened to the kingdom right then and there? I mean, it just would have rippled, but he set out to serve Jesus once again or serve the Lord once again. We see this in the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament. And I want to, I mean, we see this all the time. The Samaritan woman at the well, remember that story where, where Jesus was, was at this well and this woman is there and she's, she's an adulteress. I don't know how Jesus knew. Maybe, maybe she had a shirt that says, I'm living in adultery. Or maybe the Holy Spirit gave him a word of knowledge and said, hey, this woman is not living right. Jesus is talking to her and says, hey, why don't you uh, go home and, and get your husband? And she, he's setting her up for, you know, for a, a gotcha moment. She's like, oh, uh, I, don't, I don't have a husband. The Holy Spirit gives Jesus a word of knowledge, and he says this, you're true in what you are saying. In fact, the man you are living with is not your husband, and he's now like the eighth husband that you, or the eighth man that you've been in relationship with. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that to gossip about her and to make her feel less. The reason why Jesus did that is because he knew that she was created for something greater. So that moment, that, that moment of knowledge being deposited into the life of this individual was intended to bring also a word of wisdom. What did Jesus tell her? She was the only person who was given the wisdom to know that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah. It, isn't that fascinating that this adulteress was the first person? People always ask, like, Jesus, are you the Messiah? And he'd give them, like, a story or he'd give them a parable. And they'd be like, I guess that means yes. They don't know. Like, he was never absolutely clear. The first time he's clear, it's to this woman. 
And he gives her this knowledge and this wisdom. And what does she do? She goes back home. She gets her, right, her life right. And she brings everybody out and says, you got to meet this man who knew I was living in sin, who knew every single secret of my life. And because of the knowledge that he has known, uh, you need to meet him too. And the, everybody in the region of Samaria comes and is coming to Jesus. Jesus spends three days there and he's preaching. People are saved, delivered. She brought revival. But how did revival start? Through the gift of knowledge and the spiritual gift of a word of wisdom. And then we lastly, I want to read this one in Acts chapter 9. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria accepted the word. Now this is Jesus had already been crucified. He's already resurrected. He ascended. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. Now the church is growing. The apostles are doing great things. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God through the preaching of Philip, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. If I had time, they prayed for the new believers there. Were they believers? Did they have a deposit of the Holy Spirit? When you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. He, he dwells within you. But look what he says. He prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. What is he talking about? He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, now Simon was a guy who went by the name of Simon the Sorcerer. He would do all of these magic tricks. Um, I would say many of them were demonic uh, manifestations. He would do all these tricks. But then he gets saved, and he still thinks he can live a double life. He can live for Jesus and, and still make money on the side doing these magic tricks. But I believe that the moment he got saved, the magic tricks stopped because there was the Holy Spirit that took residence, and there was no longer a demonic spirit. So he's now looking for a way to make money. So he goes to Peter, and he's like, yo, give me some of them powers. I want to be able to lay my hands on people and then they start speaking in other tongues and start, I, I want that. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift with money. That was revealed in the natural. But what you're about to read was revealed through the word of knowledge. He says, you have no part in or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. That's, that's the word of wisdom. That is the instruction to what has been revealed. But look at the next word, verse. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. The word of knowledge revealed to Peter that Simon, who was a believer, was full of bitterness and captive to sin. How in the natural could have Peter seen that? The guy was just trying to buy money. I mean, I mean, think about this. Put yourself in the context of this story. Simon could have just been a young Christian thinking he could buy this gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And, and Peter could have just put his arm around him, oh, buddy, that's not how that works. It's the gift of God. But he was given a word of knowledge, and it was that, listen, Simon, although he is saved, is full of bitterness and is captive to sin. He was given the word of knowledge, and what was the word of wisdom? The instruction to what to do with that knowledge, and it was, dude, you need to repent. And what was the response from Simon? Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me that nothing you have said may happen to me. Friends, I believe. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe that every instance that we see a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom, it is never meant to gossip about people. It's never meant to harm or hurt people. It is always, always for the preservation of people and the glorification of Jesus. Let me just pray over us. Father, thank you so much for your spiritual gifts. Thank you that you love us, that you care for us. Thank you, God, that, that we too are candidates to be used by your gifts of the Holy Spirit, that it is not something that we have earned or something that we have, have aspired to acquire. It is something that you desire to give simply because you are a good God. Lord, we know, we are convinced that you desire to use us in your spiritual gifts and that you give them according to what you see fit. Father, you tell us to continue to seek the gifts, to not be ignorant. May we have a resolve among us to say, Lord, we're going to continue to press in and, and seek you. Father, I pray that this week we would receive the gifts that you have for us, that we would pray for them. Lord, I pray that a gift of knowledge and a gift of wisdom that goes hand in hand would happen. Lord, we know that you give them in times of need. We know that you give them through sometimes even dreams or visions like we see with, with Peter and Cornelius. But Father, we resolve to weigh it against the word of God. We pray for confirmation in those moments. And God, we ask for peace from your spirit. We pray that we would leave room for humility, that we would never do anything out of arrogance, and that we would remember that a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge always comes, always comes to preserve people not to harm them. If it's corrective in nature, there's always room for hope. We pray this and ask this, that you would bless us in this way. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected you can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.